the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We have a a special show today. I'm going to spend some time with Jerry Perna. Uh, Jerry Perna has become something of an activist uh, on the issues of January 6th prisoners. Um, She's a really a a very good speaker and a very um, compelling presence. Um, she's, I don't know how old she is. I mean, she's probably in her fifties and she comes across very, um, uh, how to say, uh, regular and matter of fact, attractive speaker, charismatic. And she's speaking about the death of her nephew, Matt Perna, who, uh, took his own life a year ago on February 25th, um, and terrible haunting tragedy in her family's life. And something that she's never obviously recovered from, but she's turned into a touchstone to talk about what's gone on. So we're going to mark that uh, event and talk to her about that. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation um, and be respectfully engaged. Um, I will warm that up by saying that earlier this week, I went to the sentencing of one of the uh, defendants in the January 6th uh, cases in Washington, D.C., and it was interesting enough. Um, happily, it was a relatively good, uh, I think a good, more lenient than not in terms of what could have happened, although still crazy what's happening. But I don't want to get into the specifics necessarily to talk about it because I want to say this next part. Afterwards, I had a chance to visit with the mother and father of that defendant. Uh, and the brother of that defendant and a couple of friends of that that defendant, but mostly to sit with the father of that man who is now convicted and is going to go to jail for a little while more. But listening to this gentleman um, in his maybe 70s, retired um, business type, engineer type, um, um, and what struck me after we covered the ground of you know, sorry for your son and what he's going through and it must be hard was how normal he was, how he talked about his family, not, not even know. I talked about where he lived and what he worked on and what he thought of uh, work. We had some friends or some, uh, not friends, but some um, overlapping um, uh, work environments in St. Louis. He had worked at a company that had worked with a company I had um, done some work with. So, We had these overlapping uh, uh, um, contacts, and we had this discussion. And I remember thinking, you know, his son's going through this whole thing. Their family is just devastated, and he was normal. And uh, he had normal concerns, normal things going on. And it just reinforced to me that um, this is very hard for people. And it's always hard for people facing jail and facing prosecution. But in this case, it's really um, been celebrated by the fake news. And it's been celebrated by the left to make people suffer. And it's been celebrated by the prosecutors. It's really terrible stuff. It's really mean. And I know so out there, maybe there's listeners who say, hey, you know what? The justice system has been mean to poor people before. It's been mean to minorities. There's, there's lots of ways. Maybe I'm maybe my eyes are being opened. But it's really terrible. It's really tough. And it was eye-opening. So we'll talk with uh, Jerry Pern in a little while. All right, what you need to know today, though. I want to get to this one. This is important to me. I want you to hear me when I tell you what you need to know. That there is an ongoing industry 
of fake history that is built into fake news, and it's just despicable. So Joshua Zeitz is a Politico magazine contributing writer, which means he probably gets $10,000 for writing a, a, a piece in Politico magazine like the one that I'm reading. He's author of a book called Building the Great Society inside Lyndon Johnson's White House. And if you go to his Twitter feed, you'll see it read. It'll say Joshua M. Zeitz, contributing writer and author. And, and But the first word is historian. Historian. And he is supported in his writing and his work and his books and his columns and his efforts. He ran for Congress as a partisan Democrat. And he's called a and his, he calls himself a historian and everyone goes along with it. And he writes an entire piece in Politico magazine, the title of which is the church, the GOP's church committee wannabes. And then the subtitle is the GOP has compared the new committee uh, to their new committee to the church committee, which uncovered rampant crimes in the seventies. Then the next thing, really question mark It's a writer. It's in the magazine, Politico magazine under the history department. So you see a guy that's a political hack. He's a political hack is 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 uh, uh um is called is given accolades as a historian and he's given book deals and he went to Swarthmore College and he got a PhD at Brown University and he, he's we're going to call him a historian and his piece at Politico in the magazine in the history department is bull it's it's bull feathers i mean top to bottom in this i think it's the third paragraph it says uh, oh no, fourth paragraph. Because the the drama is that he was able to talk to Gary Hart, who's the last surviving member of the church committee. That's the long, wrong word, by the way. Surviving member? What is surviving? What do you have to survive the church committee? I think if you're a historian at Brown University or otherwise, you should be able to use language. I think he means the last living member. You don't have to survive the church committee. And it's Gary Hart. Oh, Gary Hart. So four paragraphs in. After Gary Hart has been given the authority, he was a junior. He was a junior guy, a junior guy in the church committee by definition. He's been given all these quotes. And then it says this, Jordan, Jim Jordan's panel has barely begun its work, but early in- indications suggest it will blah, blah, blah. So this dude is writing a history as a mind reader. He gets to say what he thinks the church committee did. And we're supposed to believe him because he's a historian. So what he tells us the church committee did was what Gary Hart says they did. And then he says what he thinks maybe Jim Jordan's going to do, even though he admits Jordan's panel has barely begun its work. And then he goes on to say he thinks when he's reading their mind that they may look into things that are really out there. Did the FBI strong arm Twitter and Facebook into suppressing a news story about Hunter Biden's laptop? Why isn't that important? I don't understand. The church committee was formed because the people in the Senate, the church committee, Senator Church and others, thought that there was real abuses. There were things going on in the intelligence community, and there were abuses. It's abusive for the FBI if they did strong-arm Twitter and Facebook. It certainly looks like they did. Here's the next one that the historian, great historian, Seitz says. Did the FBI surveil and intimidate conservative parent activists at local PTA meetings. Now, let's say it differently. Is the FBI surveilling and intimidating anyone 
at board meetings or otherwise. What we know is Merrick Garland put out the word, the bat signal to do that to PTA meetings. And I don't think, by the way, it's not local PTA meetings. PTA meetings are parent teacher association meetings. That that's a way to be like, I guess, be a historian at local PTA meetings. There's no such thing as a national PTA meeting. So he's a writer. He's a historian who can't write. And local what he means is school boards. People talked about school boards. They didn't talk about PTA meetings. They talked about the school boards where elected officials who serve on school boards are, were not allowing uh, p- people to speak. And they complained. And Merrick Garland said the FBI should look into it. That isn't that something that we would worry about the abuse of the American citizens. Why not? Here's the best one. This makes me nuts. Did Hillary Clinton collude with Russia in 2016 to sabotage Donald Trump's presidential campaign? And question mark. Now, this is Joshua Seitz writing this. He's saying that the the Jordan panel may take on really crazy things. And then in brackets, this one says, if that last one doesn't make sense, that's because it doesn't. What are you talking about? All of the evidence that exists now shows that it was Hillary Clinton's campaign that paid political operatives to put together the dossier, Steele, to do a political, to sabotage Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Nobody denies that. Hillary Clinton's campaign paid a fine for having spent money on something that wasn't clearly delineated. The only question in that is whether Russia was involved. And if you think that Hillary Clinton's people didn't think Steele was using Russian Russian sources, you don't know what you're talking about. Maybe he didn't. Steele might have made it all up. He appears to be a really dishonorable dude, but he sold his wares to uh, Mark Elias and the Fusion GPS and all those. And by the way, to a Republican before the Republicans before Steele got snapped up by Hillary's people, there was a Republican. I think it was related to Rubio's campaign, maybe, or maybe it wasn't Rubio's campaign, but just a donor had been doing this research and Steele of the Steele dossier, which was used to sabotage Trump's campaign. That's true. To damage his campaign. That's true. That's not in dispute. Steele said he had Russian sources. Maybe he didn't, but he said that. So why wouldn't that be an issue? And my point here, my point is that what happens is the credentialing society, you know, Swarthmore, Brown, and and, and publishers, they credential these people, and then they're allowed to be considered historian. What and, and therefore, then they're given things to write. And they say the history and it's complete fake news. It's fake history. It's fake history that is meant to do what? Well, one is meant to mislead us so that the future people don't really know what happened. They think, well, Hillary Clinton, uh, somehow she, she they, they actually, they want to say that Hillary Clinton had her election stolen, that somehow it was her election was stolen, but nobody else steals elections. But still, but the second thing is they do this because it becomes the authority, they can point to Joshua Zeitz, and he can be an authority. And he can say things like, oh, yeah. Oh, in his, in his Twitter feed, he say, wrote a couple hours after uh, I started to look at his notes. The first seminar I taught as a professor was on the history of whiteness. You get it? You get it? I mean, c- critical race theory, all this stuff, it's washed. It's like um, it's like where you uh, whitewash or you uh, or you money launder, you ideas launder, you historian launder, you history launder through all these different places. And when you're done, most Americans don't even know how to fight through the narrative. This guy is a 
partisan hack, in my opinion. What? Let me say it differently. I've never met the guy. I can't. I don't want to mind read like he thinks he can mind read. I want to say I see what he's written. I see how he's misleading. I see what he's lying about. And I know his background. He ran for Congress, and uh, and you know he's a Democrat partisan. And I think that's not a historian. That's a hack. He's not even faking it. He's not even faking it. And in this modern era, you used to have to fake it. You used to have to pretend you were a serious historian type. And you would be honored and you would look like Michael Beschloss. They would trot you around. You'd get paid a lot of money and you'd look cool. You didn't, I mean, part of Michael Beschloss was one gone off the deep end himself, but you used to fake it. This guy, young guy, he's not even faking it. He's just lying. He's just making fake news. Uh, again, let me say it clear. I don't know whether he, he might be, he might, he might himself be brainwashed. He might himself think this stuff. That's one of the things that you have to uh, understand. This is not, even the people with PhDs are not immune from being misled, but they're given the ability to mislead the rest of us. And it's terrible. And one of the worst examples of this, to take this full circle, is the people who are claiming authority to talk about January 6th. The select committee, the people who got the, the, the access early and now they don't want Tucker or anybody else to have the access because they've decided what the narrative is. It's, it makes you doubt. Well, let me say it differently. Sorry. It makes me doubt any history. I'm not sure I believe any of it because I see now what's been happening so obviously, so blatantly. All right. That's what you need to know. We're going to we'll run. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk with uh, Jerry Perna. Uh, be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. As I just mentioned, um, you know, when I think of Jerry Perna, who's become my friend now, and I see her and I was describing she's got real style and she's, a, you know, impressive speaker. Uh, but none of this um, is what she would have wanted to do. And it's only a year. Um, Jerry, I was thinking about it. It wasn't it feels like I've known you forever, but it feels like it's been forever ago. A year ago that Matt Perna, uh, desperate and cornered, in my opinion, by the prosecutors, uh, you know, took his own life tragically. And so I'm sorry again, Jerry, as we often um, think to say, you know, sorry for your family's loss. Sorry for how it impacted um, you and and your family. Uh, but mostly I'm just sorry for Matt Perna, you know, and the missed uh, the photograph you posted, I think on Twitter or somewhere of him uh, with a, a young, a young person. And he, you know, it just, it's like the, the loss is uh, heavy. So welcome to the program. And again, sorry for your loss. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Jerry, do you, how, how does the rest of the, I know how you do, and I know it's not easy. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying like you got it all together, but how's the rest of the Perna family? It would be almost impossible to, to have anything be more defining of a family. So how's the rest of the Perna family? The rest of my family is feeling the loss, especially Matt's dad and his brother. Yeah. It's very difficult to even talk about Matt without one of my family members breaking down into tears. Right. He is missed beyond belief. Um, and you just said it's hard to believe it's been a year. And it, it is hard to believe it's been a year. And it's been a very busy year for myself because I'm kind of the spokesperson for our family. Right. Um, but the thing that I think right now, coming upon a year and being the same week where they just released the 41,000 plus hours of a J6 videotape, it's it's all very... I have mixed feelings about it, Ed, because 
I think to myself, it's only been a year. But a year in a person's life can sometimes seem like 10 years. And I think to myself, if Matt could have waited, if he could just could have waited, he would see now that the videotape is coming out and the truth is being going to be revealed. Yeah. But that would have been a year that Matt would have been sitting in a prison cell. Yeah. And frankly, I don't know how he would have been when he came out. Well, and we're talking with Jerry Perna about her uh, nephew, Matt Perna. And I guess one part of it is to, for you is to, on one level, you grieve all the time. On another level, you say, how do I make it? How do I break the hoax of the, of the January 6th with the videos? And how do I make it not happen again? You're in this sort of, uh, uh, uh sort of twin worlds. Jerry, are you, um, are you, confident we're going to get through through this break the hoax are you confident some days i i go either way and i talk to our listeners about how some things look right and some people look like fighters and other times i i don't doesn't work how do you feel i'm not completely confident um because it just seems like the full truth never comes out it doesn't matter what it is we're discussing if we're discussing the investigation into the dominion machines we thought okay that's going to be it that's going to be the the final straw here and we're going to get to the bottom of it and it never happened it seems like there's always these big nothing burgers so i'm not getting my hopes up as much about these these tapes mm -hmm. and at the same time you have to ask yourself well what is that going to do if the tapes do prove innocence for many of these people? Mm -hmm. Are they going to get that time back that they lost? Is their marriage finally going to be restored? Are their friends going to apologize to them? You know, it just, it, it's not like it's going to fix everything anyway. You know, um, one thing about that, Jerry, you, you've been pretty fearless about, um, being out there and people will say and do and whatever. Um, you know, and so you, you it's sort of what you've, in a funny way, I think what you've been called to do. Um, but it's very hard, isn't it? That good people have fallen for what I call the, the hoax, you know, the narrative machine, the lies. And so good people that you expect to understand that it's a lie are like, Oh yeah, that was a terrible insurrection. And you're kind of like, you want to stop. And if you stopped everyone that thought the wrong thing, you wouldn't, you know, leave your, I don't know. You wouldn't stop stopping. I guess it's, it's a, um, it's a strange trap, isn't it? That the, that the, the truth is coming out, but people are almost stepping back. Well, it's, it's this thing about not wanting to be wrong either and you can talk to somebody until you're blue in the face and they're never going to be convinced that january 6th was not an insurrection and they're not going to see this videotape mind you unless they put on something other than the mainstream media if right. it does get released they're never going to watch that videotape so they're not going to and and many of them don't want to see it because they don't want to be proven wrong um, it's, uh, we're talking again with Jerry Perna, Jerry, tell, um, tell the folks, uh, we only have a little bit of time and I, I, I want to make sure to tell the folks, um, the things you've been doing to try to build awareness and to talk about Matt. Um, so you had a, a charity event, uh, last year and I, I don't know, talk a little bit about how you, you want to help other people that may be stuck in these spots, whether it's January 6th or other, where you feel like you've got nothing left. Well, I've been speaking out because frankly, I don't want to see any family go through what we are going through, losing a loved one to basically 
our own government. And I don't want to see that happen. And that's one of the reasons I speak out as much as I do. And I want to see change made. And we are going to be trying to push through the Matthew Lawrence Turner Act of 2022, which is the bill that Louis Gohmert um, had drafted prior to hit the end of his term and Marjorie Taylor Greene co-sponsored. So I'm pushing for that. And by raising awareness of what Matt went through, I'm hoping that it will be enough to convince our people in Congress to vote for this bill. And it would eliminate this happening down the road for somebody else, hopefully. Um, but I don't want to, I do want to be there for people who are going through the, what we've gone through. And I have several people that text me and call me regularly to tell me that their J6 loved one is thinking of taking their life. And I, I kind of talk them off the ledge. Hmm. Well, Jerry, you're, because, you are you, you you do a heck of a job, and I know you're going to be. I think there's some uh, you and I've talked before. I won't reveal it too much, except to say I think your voice is going to be heard more and more. Hopefully, some of the members of Congress that you've talked to privately, and then there'll be other avenues because, uh, as you say, um, describing first of all, describing what happened and how bad it was and the details, but also, frankly, uh, as a message of hope, as you say, you, you you can keep going. Right? It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to feel great. It's still going to be off, but you can keep going. And and so so many people uh, need to hear that message. So thank you, uh, Jerry. Thanks for the time. Thank you for having me on, Ed. All right. Jerry Pern, everybody. And uh, it's, um, you know, in our we do our um, weekly um, uh, prayer call. And uh, one of the uh, topics of the prayer call, one of our requests was for uh, Matt Pern and his family. And so we we offer to uh, all uh, of you that are the praying type to pray for the Perna family and especially for those that are in the same kind of spot. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's uh, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Been looking forward uh, to this conversation. I I got a friend of mine for a long time, a friend of mine who's one of the best in the business is Kevin McVicker. Um, and he is a, sort of a PR guy and a, he's really a, I don't know, consultant. He does a lot of things. And he sent me this, uh, uh, the, an offer to get the, our next guest on. In fact, the offer was either this gentleman, Ryan uh, Bomberger, or his wife, Bethany. The two of them co-wrote a uh, book. And, um, and I said, man, I want to talk to to him because I looked at the book and I looked at the Radiance Foundation, which he and his wife uh, operate. It's a 501c3 uh, faith-based organization. It's right in the wheelhouse of a lot of things I'm doing. So first of all, let me say, uh, Ryan Bomberger, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm great. It's great to be here with you. Well, thank you. And the book, which is really, um, it's it's called She Is She. The book is She Is She, a book about your identity. Now, it's by Bethany and Ryan Bomberger. I'm sensitive to this because I've worked with others. It's illustrated by a gentleman named, gentleman named Ed Kohler. So, Ed Kohler, c- congratulations. I love the illustrations. But now, um, Ryan, before we get to that, your biography is a pretty extraordinary biography of just life, right? I mean, you know, I think because I know your faith, I've seen you online speaking on, on, you know, on recorded stuff. Uh, everyone is a miracle, right? Everyone's a gift from God. So we're all a miracle, but your, 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 uh, life is an, an indication that you can make it from wherever you are. If you're, if you've got faith, if you've got hard work and all. And one of the things that struck me was a lot of times kids are confused. 
you would have been when you were a kid in the going through the things you went through and you know, to, to, to not bury the lead. Uh, our guest, uh, Ryan Bomberger was the product of a, a rape and his wife, his mother didn't abort him and he was raised by a family in adoption. I mean, as, 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 as sort of wild a start as you could have, but in the world where we're living, one of the things, and everyone, I remember being confused and I had a more basic life, you know, and I, and, and, but we turn to our kids and we say, Oh, you're confused. You're upset. Things aren't going well. We'll change your identity. I mean, isn't that kind of one of the things that's, it's like, instead of being human, we're trying to solve what is human. Right. But putting some bizarre sort of Band-Aid on an emotional or spiritual laceration, and it doesn't yeah. work at all. It's the it's the go-to. It's like the default. Eh, I'm not feeling well today. Oh, you must be transgender. What? Wait right. a minute. I just had a cough. What? <laughs> yeah. No, it is. But so, and by the way, Barra Publishing, B-A-R-A Publishing is the one publishing, com. I like to plug them too. So you write this book, you're guaranteed to get grief, right? I mean, you're guaranteed to get grief. It's like uh, Matt Walsh and others. Um, but it's kind of what you, again, why'd you write the book? My wife and I wrote the book because, one, we have four kiddos and we we spent our lives trying to be their main influence. They're right. homeschooled kids, and though temporarily they did go to public school, and that's what opened our eyes to what's going on currently. My wife taught for 10, oh, actually for 13 years in both public and private school. She knows all about some of the insanity that goes on, but this is like next level. And so we wrote this because our youngest of children are targeted everywhere they go, whether it's, you know, TV, movies, in public schools, in government-run schools, wherever they go, they're being targeted with this toxic ideology. So we wrote this to just say, hey, she is she, and and to celebrate undeniable, biological, beautiful her. But somehow to say she is she is now controversial. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's amazing. Uh, Ryan Bomberger is our guest. He's the head, also works and founded the Radiance Foundation, radiancefoundation.org. You can see a lot about him and also uh, his wife, Bethany, who is his co-author in this book. Um, the do you think that there's something about the girls that are particularly targeted? You know, you did she is she, and maybe he is he is coming next, but it does feel like they target the girls uh, more. Is there something to that? I don't know. What's your wife tell us? Absolutely, 100%. And by the way, you're right. He is he will be released in August of this year because we believe in gender <laughs> equality. Um, I'll be, I'll be yeah, worried. We, if, I'll be worried if they is they is out after that. I'll be worried. I'll have to come, oh I'll have to come down. Know. I'll be like, Ryan, you got carried away with the authoring thing. Okay. All right. Anyway, go back to no, our we'll, point. We'll, on. we'll be done. No, no, no. That would go way too far. But no, <laughs> it, the reality is that girls are heavily targeted. And that's why we're seeing this, this bizarre, um, social contagion where entire groups of friends and they call it sudden onset of gender dysphoria. Like, I don't know. I tripped over a crack on the sidewalk and all of a sudden I have gender dysphoria. It's so tragic because there are real examples of people having gender dysphoria, but this is not what's happening. And girls are so much more susceptible. Not only are they more susceptible to it, they're also the victims of these so-called solutions to it. For instance, you know, biological males replacing them in sports. I mean, this is literally the LGBT patriarchy. <laughs> this yeah. is actual patriarchy taking over girls and women's sports. And so they are not only more susceptible, they're also the, the demographic that is the you know, hardest hit. They're the victims of this ideology, this woke ideology. I think it's so important, by the way, and thank you for doing it. I, I probably would have done it if you hadn't beaten me to it. But again, we're talking with uh, uh, Ryan uh, Bomberger, and, and he and his wife have a book out, and it's called She is She, available anywhere you get books, and I'll put it up on social media. But it is important to say there are some people that have 
problems with this, real problems, right? We're not, we're not saying that there's not real problems in, in life. It's just that somehow we went from somebody with a real problem, gender uh, dysphoria or something like it, to every time you're having a, a, a tough time. And I'm being serious. When you're having a tough time, and I remember as a kid, every kid does, you have a tough time. You have a tough time growing. You have a tough time with your siblings. You have a tough time with your parents. And in a world where COVID happened, it's like, hey, okay, who's not having a tough time? And then you want to be like, that kid's not telling the truth, right? So, uh, but but back, uh, Ryan, in your experience of this, both your wife as your co-author and as a, and the teacher, um, how it, 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 are the people that are fooled into this? Is it lack of knowledge or is it their own sort of problem? If you get what I mean, I mean, in other words, are we by can if we explain to people, um, will they understand? Oh, we shouldn't do that, or is it something wrong with them? I, I don't mean to be too harsh, but you know what I'm saying. No, it's a false sense of, of compassion. And, and especially among Christians who think they're being compassionate, but I'm like, no, that's not compassion. That's capitulation. When we're actually ceding ground to those who are obviously speaking unscientific, <laughs> unscientifically. I mean, we, we literally, in order to embrace a transgender sort of ideology, we have to, you know, deny basic science. We have to mangle our language and we have to actually support the mutilation of children. And so I know there are some people who are like, well, this individual's hurting. Okay, they're hurting, but let's get to the source of the hurt. And, but that's not what our society does. We pretend, you know, we just want to throw rainbows and glitter at something and pretend that the origin of the pain and the confusion doesn't exist. And that's what we need to do is get to the origin. But then you also have people say, well, if we don't do this right now, if we don't take this, this direction and transition, they'll commit suicide. Guess what? Those who actually are post-op, trans men and trans women, I'm putting that in into quotes because there's no such thing as transitioning from one gender to the other. Yeah. But um, the suicide rate, and this is done in, in the Netherlands, which has embraced transgenderism and all things LGBTQ plus for forever and a day, that the suicide rate among those who are post-op among transgender trans women is five times higher. Hmm. Wow. Five times higher. Wow. I mean, this is... But this is the whole thing. You're like trying to pull at the emotions and we have to say, wait a minute, let's step back and let's see what's actually really going on. And true compassion says, I want to know what that confusion, what that pain is, what the origin is. Let's deal with that. Uh, we're talking again. Ryan Bomberger is our guest. Uh, his book is uh, with his wife is called uh, She Is She. If you go to RadianceFoundation.org, you can buy the book there. There's a, a shop online, their store. And I'm sure that I, I'm sure because I know how these things work. That's the best way to get it from them. But you can get book wherever you see books. She Is She. And I'll put it up on social media. And one last question, Ryan. Um, What's the biggest surprise to you with this book, either just in general uh, as it's rolling out, even the process? What, what surprised you? I guess what surprised me is how it resonated with so many people. I mean, when we even talked about it in the pre-order stage, people were like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to get this. It was almost as if adults were saying, finally, we have a, a persuasive tool. Finally, we have something. Just speak basic truth to our children. And so that was really overwhelming. And it was incredibly satisfying because as someone who is a creative professional who wants to create content that's fearless, factual, and freeing, I was just so glad. 
to see that response. And it's been really remarkable. I mean, people are buying it up. And you did mention it, it's it's available on Amazon. It's also available at sheishi.com. We have not gotten it in other stores, but we we hope to. And we hope it doesn't get kicked off of Amazon. <laughs> so. Well, we'll see. Well, I'm glad. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, RadianceFoundation.org, sheishi.com, uh, Amazon, wherever else. Um, Ryan, thank you. And we'll have you back for he is he. By the way, I came up with something while we're talking. I've done this before. This might work. We are we. And then in brackets, you put a family. And you're right about the family. That's another one that they're undercutting. So they want the language to be that, you know, X or Y. I mean, there is something that's ideal about the family. It doesn't mean we all have the ideal family. But anyway, I just want to encourage you guys. You're, 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 uh, you're Ryan Bomberger and his wife, Bethany. Congratulations. And thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. And I will put up on social media all of that information. Uh, so you have it. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The deep state has once again prevented the release of evidence documenting the CIA's complicity in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy almost 60 years ago. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. recently stated that the CIA's murder of my uncle was a successful coup d'etat from which our democracy has never recovered. Thanks to President Biden, that rift may continue to widen. None of the JFK-related files were to be withheld from the public after October 2021. But Biden, who protects the deep state while it covers up for him, released only a few innocuous records while concealing the most important documents. Only 95% of the JFK documents have been entirely released to the public, as the deep state hides its own misconduct by withholding the final 5%. In 1992, Congress required that all withheld documents about the JFK assassination be released to the public by October 26, 2017, except as ordered by the president. Donald Trump's instincts were right when he promised to release all the JFK documents while he was president, but he was reportedly talked out of it by his former CIA director, Mike Pompeo. Now Pompeo, backed by a web of dark money funding, is assembling the resources to challenge Donald Trump's re-election. The next presidential election will be about reigning in the deep state, and part of that should be about releasing all of the missing JFK files. The 95% figure that is thrown around might seem like a lot, but don't think for a moment that the deep state hasn't been carefully holding back all of the most important documents. Only a full release of every file will tell the full story of how the CIA was involved in the national tragedy. They say that sunlight is the best disinfectant. If that's true, our federal law enforcement bodies should be the first ones to be exposed. If they have a record of fumbling their duty that extends at least as far back as the Kennedy administration, the American people deserve to know so that they can react accordingly. Grassroots power cannot be flexed in the absence of information. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report heading into the weekend, uh, wrapping things up. Uh, let me just uh, cover a story that didn't get much attention, and I think it needs to. And this is a story where I'm actually going to, um, if, we can, <laughs> if we can avoid World War III, then I'm going to actually say that all this insanity in the Ukraine, it could turn out to be of benefit I would I, I could go either way with this. I could say it's going to be a benefit to American businesses and to American interests, which feels good. Of course, it costs us hundreds and hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars. In other words, this isn't about and this will sound like it. If you spend hundreds and hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars and you say, well, that's taxpayer dollars that goes out of our wallets. Where does it go? Well, most of it goes back into the defense industry, the military industrial complex, as it's called. But in this case. We watched hundreds of billions of dollars leave the American Treasury, our pockets, our wallets, our taxes. In this case, not benefiting only the defense military industrial complex, but it looks like it's possible, it might, if we can survive World War III, benefit American energy. And so now you say, where's your follow the money filter take you on this one? Because you may remember, let me see if I can lay this out a little more clearly. Donald Trump said how stupid it was for Europe to become so reliant on Russian, especially natural gas, and that the Nord Stream 2, Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which Trump kept trying to block, um, that he thought, you know, if that goes through, you're going to basically become dependent on Putin for a lot of your natural gas, and therefore Europe could be held hostage. And Trump was proven right on that, by the way, and it was Biden and his team that let it go through. But then because the war started, I think it looks like, and there's an art, lengthy article, a couple articles on this topic, that, that uh, Putin thought, well, I'm going to be able to control the way Europe and others react to this because I control their energy. And instead, because of the speed and the, uh, and the high level of uh, capacity and technology and talent of the markets and the businesses, the American, especially the Americans, American companies were able to react and they were able to get oil tankers and everything. And then, of course, Nord Stream 2, which was controversially was blown up by somebody. The idiots said that some idiots said Russia blew it up themselves. There's no way they would do that. It probably was America or one of our allies, but it doesn't matter. It knocked that out. So that made it so Russia couldn't sell that natural gas, especially to Europe. And it made it even more important that America, especially and America's big companies, Get, get enough natural gas and oil and, and, and fuel to Europe. And they did. We did. And so inadvertently, and again, I, I, if someone says this was the plan, well, inadvertently, the plan worked, meaning we took what was a, um, a real reliance by Europe on Russian fuel and Russian energy, and we sort of allowed that to be decimated. Now, again... Hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. We may still end up in World War III over it. So I'm not saying that this was a good move. I'm saying I'm describing what looks like it will be the end uh, of the at the end of this. Is it's not Europe? Remember, about seven or eight months ago, there was a conversation. Well, is Europe going to have to you know um, have freezing have people freezing to death? Are they going to have sh- shortages sufficient that you're going to have a humanitarian crisis? None of that ever happened, and it didn't fail to happen because global warming made it warmer. It was still a normal winter-ish. I don't know for sure, but I mean, it wasn't. There's no, nothing that says it was actually, you know, some, somehow more moderate. It's just that we got it there. American companies, mostly, and other companies and other nations, country companies, got to Europe what they needed in terms of energy. 
And that's a big deal. And it's a big deal because there's no reason to think, even when the war ends, that there's going to be a great energy to a, a great uh, deal of, uh, of, of time and, uh, and interest, that's a better word, in allowing the Russians to go ahead and put Nord Stream 2 back in place. I mean, they might, but it's certainly be a, a different, it's a different dynamic, let's say that. And it's clear now that there's no reason for Europe to feel or to act as though they're held, held hostage by, uh, by the, um, Russian energy. And that's probably, again, for, for global security, for, you know, international security, that's probably a good thing. But it's at no small cost to the American people, of course, and we still haven't survived if there's a World War III. So I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't want to be too, uh, I don't want to be too relaxed about it. I think it's uh, still a major problem and a major threat. But that part of this has turned out very differently than many of us uh, expected or even saw coming. I have to say, I did not see that coming in any way, uh, shape, or form. So uh, that was a, that's a, a pretty um, a positive development uh, there. All right, that's all I've got for the weekend. Have, I mean, have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, thank you, as always, to the great uh, Noah um, Dingley and his team in San Diego, Ryan Height in St. Louis, for keeping us all going. Hope you have a great weekend, everybody. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily email, and we'll be back on Monday. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.